study on the Beatitudes and think about some things that I came across in Galatians chapter 2 that talk about principles for Christian living. And it's really kind of a follow-up, a good follow-up to things that we talked about this morning. And also in thinking about the things that that we have in our nation and Veterans Day and things like that. But I want to mention a couple things to you in way of kind of a challenge. As a follow-up to that lesson this morning, um, I want to challenge each and every one of us in this group tonight. I want to challenge you as we think about being unified as a church family. I want you to go ahead and be thinking in your mind right now about a few people. Pick out a couple of people or a couple of families that could use your encouragement. Uh, now, I don't mean necessarily only that these are people that you know need encouragement. That is part of it. But also, I want to challenge you even more than that. I want to challenge you to think about someone that you know that needs encouragement, but I also want to challenge you to think about someone else that maybe you don't know of. Or maybe it's someone that uh, you might have had some conflict with uh, over the past. And I want to challenge you to begin praying for those individuals. I want to challenge you to begin encouraging those individuals. I want to challenge you to begin reaching out to those individuals. And encouraging them and let them know you're thinking about them and praying for them. All in the goal of seeking unity in the bond the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace and unity in Christ. So I, want to, I hope that you're going ahead and thinking about some of those individuals. It, it could be someone that uh, uh, maybe they're not here. Maybe uh, maybe they're not able to come anymore like they used to. Right? Just be creative in the, number, in the kind of people that you think about. And I want you to begin praying for them on a regular basis and reaching out to them and encouraging them. The second thing I want to challenge you to be praying about Next Sunday, I'll be doing a lesson next Sunday morning on elders. The elders are thinking about um, adding some more elders. And so I want to go ahead and challenge you to be thinking about that. I want to challenge you to be thinking about individuals. I want to challenge you to read over those qualifications that Paul wrote to Timothy about elders. And we'll look at some of those next Sunday morning. And I want to challenge you to be praying about our present elders and then about... Uh, those that desire the work and that might be added uh, to our eldership. Um, this is an important place that we are in when we think about adding elders. Um, and so I want to encourage you to be reading over that, to be thinking about that, and to be praying about that. So there's a lot of things for us to be thinking about and praying about as a church family, as we, as we seek to be unified, as we seek to uh, be more connected with one another. Uh, as we are connected in Jesus Christ. So be thinking about those things and be praying about those things. A.W. Tozer wrote, In the Root of the Righteousness. He wrote this, A real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for the one whom he has never seen. Talks familiarly every day to someone he cannot see. Expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another. Empties himself in order to be full. Admits he is wrong so he can be declared right. Goes down in order to get up. Is strongest when he is weakest. Richest when he is poorest. And happiest when he feels worse. 
He dies so he can live, forsakes in order to have, gives away so that he can keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passes knowledge. And Paul gives us in Galatians chapter 2, I think most time when we look at a passage of Scripture, there's all kinds of things that we can pull out. But I want us to notice four things that Paul gives us that's worth uh, that, that goes along with living the Christian life. Look at verses 1 through 10. Galatians chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren, secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they may, might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission, or even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But for those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship of the circumcised also worked effectively in me for the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was also eager to do. One of the things that stands out to me in this passage is that in living the Christian life, there's just some things worth fighting for, isn't it? Paul knew that the gospel was, was worth standing up for. He knew that it was worth dying for. He knew that it was worth fighting for. On April the 19th, 1775, the American colonists began fighting against the British for freedom. They knew freedom was worth fighting for. On July the 4th, 1776, Congress declared independence from the British. And many battles and many wars have been fought for the freedom we enjoy in our country. And we talked about that this morning as we honor our veterans. And I hope that you will keep that in mind and continue to be thankful for them. Because there are some things worth fighting for. And Paul feels the same way about the gospel. He feels the same way about the freedom that he enjoyed in Christ. He talked about that. And he feels the same way about the church. They were important to Paul. Uh, notice uh, one, a different version in verses 4 and 5. Paul says this. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul also talks about some things that, that he suffered while fighting for the gospel and for the freedom in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 24. Paul writes, From the Jew, five times, 
I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys, often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and in toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. And Paul dealt with those things as he fought for the gospel, as he stood up for the gospel, as he shared the gospel. He suffered those things. You think the church was not important to Paul? The church was important to Paul. So that you and I freely today can gather and we can do the things that we do. It's not uh, sometimes the church in America has just become um, that, that's just the traditional thing we do, or at least it has been over the last hundred years or more. It's something that we do. And so instead of, uh, the challenge for us is not to take that for granted. To realize it was so important for Paul to spread the gospel message of Jesus Christ that he suffered many things for. So we might be able to be here today because of his spreading the gospel and others spreading the gospel and on and on. And on. You know, I can think of a few things that what about our families? Would you fight for your family? Would you stand up for your family? What about your reputation? Would you fight for your reputation? Would you stand up for your reputation? What about the truth? Would you fight for the truth? Would you stand up for what is right and true? What about freedom? Would you fight for freedom? The freedoms that we've come to enjoy and almost expect, would you fight to defend those freedoms? This might be challenging, maybe not. Would you fight for your church family? Would you stand up and fight and stand up for your church family? What about your name? Who you are? Would you stand up and fight for your name? You see, there are some things that's worth fighting for. But the things that Paul is dealing with and Paul reminds us of is that we're in a spiritual fight. We're in a spiritual war against Satan. And the war is good. You know, there's lots of money spent in our nation to fight against disease. And I have to say, as, as a family that's a beneficiary of some of that, I'm thankful. But there's a greater disease that plagues the world. And it's sin. And sometimes I have to admit, I know that, but it doesn't always stay in my conscience. Because we get in our routines, don't we? We get in our routines and, and, and we get so used to doing the things that we're used to doing that we forget about the people that we pass every day. And we're dying from disease. And the disease is called sin. And the medicine is Jesus Christ. Paul would say to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, 
beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You see, that's where we get our power. Put on the whole armor of God. And He tells us where the battle is. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the tricks of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And as we mentioned this morning, Satan is at work. He's at work in the lives of people that we pass every day. He's at work in our lives. Because he's good at what he does. He knows what he's doing. And that's why it's important that we'll be aware of that. The real, the spiritual fight is worth fighting for. There's another thing that Paul mentions in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 and following. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also prayed, or also played the hypocrite with him. So that even Barnabas, the great encourager, was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you mean that you live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Paul's trying to remind Peter and these other people that when you live the Christian life, there's power in your influence. There's power in your influence. And all of us influence someone. He opposes Peter. He says, Peter, you're acting one way with one group of people and when there's another group of people that come along, you act a totally different way. He said, you're being a hypocrite. That word hypocrite comes from the word that, that really means an actor. They wear a mask. And he said, you're acting. And he calls them out on that. Peter struggled with that with, uh, at other times in his life. Jesus taught him about that in Matthew 15. He also uh, used it to teach him a couple of times in Acts chapter 10 to remind him about going to Cornelius. You know, I think about that. I think about the power of our influence. And I think about even when we disagree with them. And I realize Paul is calling them out for being a hypocrite. He's calling Peter out. And, and because Peter was a hypocrite, because Peter played one way with the Gentile, the Gentile Christians, and then played another way when the Jews came. He called them out. Well, what do we do? He says, I talked about unity this morning. I didn't mention some of these things. But I do realize that even in a unified group, not everybody's going to see things the same way. And there may be some times that, that some people need to be called out. I'm not so good. Don't worry, I'm not calling anybody's name. Because my name would be first. But sometimes a brother needs to go to another brother. Or a sister needs to go to another sister. And in love, Ephesians 4, and like the example of Christ, if there's some hypocrisy or if there's some things that's not being Christ-like, 
to talk to them about it. To encourage them about it. To try to see what's going on in their life. Where, where are you coming from? And you know, sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's hard for some of us to take. And, and yeah, it might hurt our feelings, but we have to realize if we're both coming from the standpoint of I love Jesus. I want you to be in a right, right relationship with Jesus because I want to be in a right relationship with Jesus. What's that mean? The one that's going to the brother or sister will challenge themselves. Now, wait a minute. Am I doing this out of my selfish desire because I don't like what you're doing? Or am I doing this out of, you know what, what's going against Christ? I love Christ. I love the church. And I love you. See, there's something worth fighting for. The church is worth fighting for. Brothers and sisters are worth fighting for. You see, if I go in love, then I need to be ready to receive in love. And that's a challenge on both sides, isn't it? But you see, if my goal is unity, we can do that in love, knowing that we love each other because we love Christ. Paul said about Peter's hypocrisy, it was not in line with the truth of the gospel. You see, there's power in influence. The term influence defined means power to produce effects. Peter acted like a hypocrite. And it led some of the others, even the great encourager Barnabas, to be led astray, to be involved in the same hypocrisy. So that's a challenge for us. The things that we do, there again, going back. I love God. I love the church. It's worth fighting for. I need to, Paul talked about fighting himself, buffeting himself, lest he also be led astray. I need to challenge my own self each and every day to make sure that the things that I do, the things that I wish for, the things that I long for, the things that I pray for, that they're in accordance with the will of God. You see, the, the reality is, whether we want to admit it or not, I used to tell young people this. I've told my kids this. There's always somebody watching. Always. <laughs> you watch TV, don't you? Whether it's a, a mystery cop sitcom or reality, there are cameras everywhere today. Most of us have them in our pocket, right? But they're up on power poles. You go to some of these big cities and you're recorded everywhere. Uh, when the hurricane was coming through, you realize you could pull up cameras and watch the waves and the wind come in. Your cameras are everywhere. Someone's always watching. Someone is always being influenced by our actions. And so it's important that we realize that both for good and for negative. Parents have influence over children. Young people have influence over their friends. We have influence over our co-workers. But the reality is, they also have influence over us. Listen. Here's an illustration. A mother took her young son shopping and after a day in the stores, a clerk handed the little boy a lollipop. What are you saying? The mother said to the boy, to which he replied, charge it. 
there's power in influence, isn't it? Even when we think no one's watching. Oh, I'm reminded. I'm reminded. It's just vivid in my mind. I realize there's some words that, you know, are not as bad as others, right? And there's some words, even in our adult life, that, that we tend to slang words and whatnot that we tend to get saved, right? I can remember when, when our oldest son, Brady, was about five years old. And, and I was working in youth ministry in Germantown. And Dustin, I don't know about you, but sometimes, uh, sometimes we're, we're trying to lead our kids, uh, our youth group, and we're trying to encourage them, and, and we want them to be feel free to come talk to us. And, and, and like we said, we're trying to influence them, but sometimes they can influence us. And so our, our, a lot of our teenagers began saying this little word. That it's not bad, but, you know, it's not maybe the best to say. Well, let me just say, and it's not, don't send me to hell. But anyway, um, they would say crap all the time. And so before I knew it, I was going around saying Until one day, I heard a little five-year-old boy say, we talk about influence. we talk about making a difference. People are watching. People are listening. People are being influenced. That's why it's important when we challenge ourselves, even the little things, those in submission to God. We allow others to influence us with something that's not in line with the gospel. Will we be the type of people that influence others? Our families, our spouses, our co-workers, our neighbors, those on the street, how we drive, how we pass, how we walk, people are watching. I want to know, I want you to notice another quick thing, a couple more quick things that Paul mentions about Christian life. Verses 15 and Who are we who are Jews by nature are and not sinners of the Gentiles? Knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. Even we believe, have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Paul says in living the Christian life, we need to remember we're justified through faith in Christ. Paul, he continued his opposition against Peter, reminding him that a man is not justified by observing the law. And that was a challenge for Peter. As these Jews came down to check on this work, that was a challenge for Peter. These are the leaders. These are the pillars. We're talking about elders. We're, talking, we're going to be talking about the influence of elders and the leaders of the church. Those are powerful, influential positions. And not to be taken lightly. And so Paul is challenging him to remember you're not justified by observing the law. You're not justified because you please those Jewish leaders. But by faith in Christ. Justifies means to render just, uh, to be free, to be righteous, to vindicate, or to be acquitted, or to be made free or pure. So Paul reminds him 
but you're not made free or acquitted through the works of the law. Perfect obedience. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, when we stand before God, we're not going to answer to an Old Testament law. We're not going to answer to man-made laws. We're going to answer how we live according to God's law. Not because of anything we've done, we've done, but because of what Christ has done for us. Because of our surrender and our faith and obedience in Him. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. And raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before Him, that we should walk in them. I came across this story that I'm share it with you. Imagine a man before a judge who was given a choice of paying $100 or spending 90 days in jail. Now this man didn't have much money, and he had an invalid wife and five hungry kids who were depending on him. And so he, he tells this heart-wrenching story uh, to, the, to those in the courtroom, and they were moved with pity. And therefore they took up a collection. Even the judge, which was out of his character, uh, gave to the cause. And they, they all raised $99.95. They were five cents short. And the judge declared that the entire $100 must be paid. And so he orders the bailiff to take the man to jail. And as he's walking out of the courtroom, he's, he's searching his pockets for money. And deep down in his pocket, he finds a nickel. And he rushes back in the courtroom all excited. And he slaps that on the bar before the judge, declaring, I'm free, I'm free. And someone in response to this illustration said, in his mind, what was it that saved him? Was it the $99.95 or the five cents? And Paul reminds us it's not about even the good things that we do. That's not what makes us righteous. It's justification through faith in Jesus Christ. It's our surrender to Him. In fact, we sing the song, He paid a debt, he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Christ Jesus paid the debt. And then one final thing that Paul mentions about living the Christian life. Verses 17 and following. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. And so Paul reminds us that to live the Christian life, there has to be death. To live, there must be a death. 
Jesus said in John 10 and verse 10, The thief does not come except to steal and not to kill, or and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they have, may have it more abundantly. And what did Jesus do in order that we might have that abundant life? He died for forgiveness of our sins. Jesus came to bring life. And he did that through his death. Paul said in Galatians 2 and verse 20, another song that I've been singing since I was younger. I've been crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. That's the importance of baptism. To declare before those witnesses, I'm dying to my old self. I'm dying with Christ so that I might live. Paul uses similar, similar language in a few passages. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. You know this. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You see, our faith in Christ leads us to die of our old sin. To rise in newness of life with Jesus. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Colossians 2, Paul says, buried with Him in baptism in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him having forgiven you all trespasses. Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you die, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And Christ who is our life appears, that you also will appear with Him in What a powerful message that we have, that we can share simply by living to remind everyone that some things are worth fighting for. To remind us that there is power in our influence. And our justification comes through faith in Christ. And life comes from death. From our dying to ourselves. And being buried in Christ. Are you alive today? It's our prayer that you are. Given your life to Jesus Christ, that you surrender because you believe that He is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And you too can die yourself tonight and rise and do some life and go on the way Tonight, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation for any reason, we stand here ready and willing to assist you, to pray with you, to help you, to hold you, to say we're unified with you in the fight, the walk, and life. Together,